services today. My name is Cynthia McHale, and I have been going to the Lutheran Church of Reconciliation for approximately 35 years. The church, when I was hired as the church secretary, I stayed with the church and joined the church when I realized what a long and welcoming congregation it was. I have enjoyed every aspect of it. I love Pastor Bill's sermons and come away with a message that takes me through the week. We are continuing through the book of Ephesians and hope you enjoy the service today. Thank you. Good morning, sons and daughters of God. We are so glad to see you here, and we are glad for you to see us as you worship with us online this morning. Welcome as we gather together both in this place and all around the community and literally around the world as we worship together. It is a joy to be in God's house. So thank you for spending time here with God and with each other. We are continuing to work through our uh, reading of the Ephesians, letter to the Ephesians, and today we're going to hear uh, Paul talk about how we are to be grounded and rooted in God's love. But what you may discover is some surprising results when we do that. So hold on to your hats, hold on to your seats, or maybe I should say get ready to get out of your seats uh, as we are rooted in God's love. So again, welcome here, welcome online, welcome as we worship together. Please stand as you are able and let us begin our worship. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, the God of manna, the God of miracles, the God of mercy. Amen. Drawn to Christ and seeking God's abundance, we come to confess that we have not lived fully into the fullness of God's gift of love and life. Join me as we pray. You know how we are, Lord. We say that we will take time to refresh our spirits and then we quickly crowd our lives with activities to the point of exhaustion. We turn to you for feeding and nurture, asking you to give us something to sustain us through our times. We even are willing to tell you what we have, but when we look closely, we discover that we bring so little to you. Take what we
Beloved sisters and brothers in Christ, the love of God is your firm foundation to keep you rooted deeply in God's mercy and grace. In Christ, the bread of life, you are forgiven and loved into abundant life. May the Spirit dwell within you through faith and work within you to accomplish more than we could ask or imagine or comprehend to the praise of God's glory forever and ever. Amen. As we journey through Ephesians, our prayer is that we would be gathered. This is a song I wrote for us as we travel through this. The second verse is based on today's sermon. See if you can pick out some words that are going to be read in the scripture and then hear in the sermon.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray together. Holy One, we bow our hearts before you this day. Strengthen us in our innermost being and dwell in our hearts through faith. May we be rooted and grounded in Christ, whose love is beyond all knowledge. Help us comprehend even the smallest part of the beautiful mystery of your grace. Grant that we may experience the fullness of your presence with us. Amen.
The first reading is from the third chapter of Ephesians. We have been rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, which surpasses all human knowledge. Because Christ dwells in our hearts, our lives are continuously strengthened and empowered by the ongoing presence of the Spirit. A reading from Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounding in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we all can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever, amen. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to John. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. 
When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, Don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you put your bulletins away, I'd like for you to take a gander at the cartoon there. And for those of you who are worshiping online, here is what everybody's looking at in their bulletin. So just ponder that cartoon for just a second and think what might a possible caption be for that cartoon. Wives and husbands may not make any commentary about each other. Anybody got an idea? The actual, comment, the actual caption that I left off when I printed that is, Meet Howard Mealy, Perpetual Sermon Illustration. Well, I thought it was pretty cute. Uh, particularly because, really, our lives are sermon illustrations, aren't they? I mean, we're preaching all the time, whether we ever think about it or not. Our, ser- our life is a sermon. But what are we preaching? And how much does our living proclaim what we believe? We're continuing to work our way through the the letter to the Ephesians, and today's passage begins, For this reason, I fall on my knees. Well, for what reason? And in order to get the answer to that, you've got to kind of go back and see what has been said up to this point. The writer proclaims, at the beginning of the letter, that God's intention is nothing less than the full transformation and recreation of the cosmos. Of the entire creation is to be recreated through Jesus Christ. He goes on to say that everybody is welcome to participate in this new creation. It's not just for a chosen few. But a chosen few are the ones who are meant and who are chosen 
to share it with everybody else. That's the task of the church, to be the messengers, to be the bearers of this good news. And the wonderful good news is God is bringing about a new world through us. This new world started about 2,000 years ago in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And what he did started a revolution. A revolution that, in, that swept across the entire world. And our sermon-shaped lives bear the message that there is another way. That's Jesus' message for the world. There is another way. When cruelty and violence and hatred begins to break out around us, we proclaim there is another way. When dishonesty and injustice begin to try to get a foothold in our world, we proclaim there is another way. When people are hurting and sad and confused, we bring the good news to them there is another way. God is using us to make a difference. And the writer of Ephesians wants us to know that God is busy working in us so that God can work through us. The message that we preach with our lives could very much be like Howard Mealy. We're just going to stay stuck on that couch. Or it can be something else entirely. Something much more radical and revolutionary that shakes things up and sets things right. But be warned. This is not child's play. It is not easy to be a radical. Paul is writing this letter from prison. His boldness landed him in jail because he challenged the ways of the world. There's no way that you could ever find Paul laying on that couch like Howard Mealy. So now, after we've heard all of that, after we've gotten all of that background, now we can answer the first question for this reason and the reason is we've heard it that he's wanting us to be part of this radical revolution and in order to do that he offers a prayer for us he prays that we will be given strength and power from god that we will become full of christ that we will come to know and understand how amazing and how incomparable God's love and grace is for us. He prays that we might grasp how God truly is at work in us. 
And as the letter begins to unfold, we're going to see more and more about how God is at work through us. Now that's quite a prayer. He prays that that we will take our part in this revolution. But that really doesn't sound much like us, does it? You ever looked in the mirror in the morning and say, Good morning, revolutionary. Being part of a a world-changing and life-changing movement, that's just not on our agenda. I mean, do we even know what a revolution looks like? I think we think we might because we've seen a whole lot of upheaval in our world of late. Things that that maybe look and feel a little revolutionary. We've had Black Lives Matter marches and MAGA rallies. We've had women's marches and guns rights marches and anti-COVID lockdown marches. They kind of feel revolutionary. And I'm sure that all of those who participated in those kind of things thought they were bringing about a revolution. Now, I'm I'm not trying to make a commentary on any of those things, but just to observe that while they look revolutionary, while they talk about radical change, the one thing that they all have in common with even with vastly different goals is the passion and the commitment of the people who take part in them. Those who get involved in these kind of things, throw themselves into these movements with passion and energy and fervor because they believe they can make a real difference. They look at how things are and they say, there is another way. But, I don't think marching and rallies is the revolutionary style we're talking about. I believe the revolution that we find in Ephesians looks more like people making a commitment to care for someone who is down and out because they need a hand up. I think it looks like giving support to children in Africa who are dealing with disease and malnutrition and lack of education. I think the revolution that I'm thinking about looks a whole lot like people doing work through God's work, our hands events. It looks like being available to take somebody to a doctor's appointment or listening as someone's trying to work through a family problem. Our revolution looks like people caring for one another. 
weeping with those who weep, laughing with those who laugh. And our care for them is our proclamation to the world, there is another way. It is the way of Christ and his love for the world. Shane Claiborne is a young man who's part of a group in Philadelphia. And that group is a pretty revolutionary movement because they are committed to living like Jesus. They do things that most people would definitely say is out of the box. And he has been called a radical on more than one occasion. I met Shane Claiborne a couple of times and he was at one event where I heard him speak and he said this, I believe the gospel grows best not through force, but through fascination. Where small groups of folks who've fallen in love with Jesus do something with their lives that demonstrates God's love. That doesn't sound very revolutionary at all, does it? But in fact, that is the core of the greatest revolution that this world has ever seen. And it has done more good and changed more lives than anything else. And we are a part of it. We are. Your life matters much more than you might think. What you do with someone else and how you share love with them really matters because you are part of God's work to change this world. But it takes some effort. You can't do it sitting on the couch or laying on the couch with all the Z's going up. We've got to commit ourselves with passion and fervor and energy. Otherwise, we just grow self-serving. That's why the writer of Ephesians offers this prayer. He wants us to be grounded in this love that God has for us. And in that love, we will feel how God is working in us. And that will motivate us to let God work through us. A wealthy Dutch merchant was looking for a particular kind of diamond to add to his vast collection. And there was a famous diamond dealer in New York City who found such a stone and he contacted the merchant to come and examine it. And so the merchant flew to New York to take a look at it. The owner of the diamond gave his best salesman the job of, of showing the diamond, and he did with great precision and technical uh, expertise. He, he talked about this diamond 
and all the qualities that it had. And after he was over, the merchant decided not to buy it. But as he was getting ready to leave the store, the owner of the store came and asked if he could show the diamond to him once more. And the the collector agreed. And the owner of the store took took out the diamond and held held it in his hand, and he just began to stare at it. And then he began to describe its beauty and its brilliance. And he began to reveal why he thought this stone had the qualities unlike any other that he had ever seen. And after that, the collector bought it on the spot. And then he asked the store owner, Sir, why is it that you were able to sell me this stone when your salesman could not? And the store owner said, Because... The salesman is the best at his business. He knows more about diamonds than anybody I know, including myself. And I pay him a high salary for his expertise, but I would gladly pay him twice as much if I could give him something that he does not have that I have. You see, he knows a lot about diamonds. But I love them. Shane Claiborne is right. And he echoes this message from Ephesians that the revolution that we are being invited into takes more than just knowing about Christ. It means being in love with Christ and being so caught up in that love that our lives are changed and we allow ourselves to be used by God to carry out his radical revolution of love in this world. So yes, life really is a sermon illustration. And that illustration can look a whole lot like Howard Mealy. Or it could look a whole lot more like Jesus. Which sermon would you rather be? In Jesus' name.
you are able. Rooted in Christ and grounded in the spirit, we offer our prayers to God, responding to each petition with words from today's psalm. You are loving in all your works. Caring for the church throughout the world, we pray for ecumenical cooperation among the churches, for sustenance for assemblies that have been devastated by the coronavirus, and for insight as congregations resume their local programming. Be near to all who call upon you, faithful God. You are loving in all your works. Mindful of the family of nations, we pray for all who govern, for Afghanistan, Ethiopia, Haiti, South Africa, and other nations that are experiencing violence, for Germany and other nations devastated by climate change, for an increase of justice in our nation and around the world, and for the protection of the poor. We pray for fruitful fields and healthy animals, for rain to nourish lands that face wildfires, drought, or excessive heat, and for lakes, rivers, and oceans to be free from pollution. Be near to all who call upon the righteous God. You are loving in all your works. Aware of all who suffer, we pray for a world still facing the coronavirus, for persons without employment or adequate housing or wholesome meals or available health care or the embrace of loved ones. We pray for the residents of Tokyo and the First Nations of Canada. We pray for all with hidden sorrows, for those who live in fear and for those we name before you. Susan Bayman, Jesse Brock, Betty Burkott, David Cook, John Daly, Gay Green, Alberta Holden, Paul Letts, Judy Nelson, Mary Lou Schofield, Roger Strong, Bill Sutton, Ron Wagner, and those on our lips or in our hearts. Be near to all who call upon you, compassionate God. You are loving in all your works. Confident of your love for each of us, we pray for ourselves that we be strengthened in our inner being and that you receive our prayers. Be near to all who call upon you, Mother and God. You are loving in all your works. We lift these and all our prayers to you, O God, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. And for those of you who are online today, it may seem strange to offer yourself the peace of Christ, but we extend that peace to you and know that as we share the peace with one another, we are greeting you as well with Christ's peace and receiving the same from you. 
So may we greet one another with a sign of Christ's peace. Peace be with you.
in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then after supper he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for them to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. For those of you worshiping with us online, we invite you to share in this meal of forgiveness and new life. You may commune with all who are gathered with you together in your space, or you may commune by yourself if you are alone. We invite you to share the bread with the words, this is the body of Christ given for you, and with the cup, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. In this room, we will commune together by communing the choir side first, so please be seated as we commune together.
May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Jesus, bread of life, we have received from your table more than we could ever ask. As you have nourished us in this meal, now strengthen us to love the world with your own life. In your name we pray. Amen. Again, welcome to our time together in our, in our Father's house as we worship and give thanks and are nourished and strengthened by the love of Christ, which is way more than my, this feeble mind can comprehend. And I'm glad that we had this time together. We are in the midst of doing some uh, things that would be revolutionary in a lot of people's eyes, and one of the things is going to happen in September, so I want you to save the date for September the 12th. That is God's Work, Our Hands Sunday, and there's going to be lots of activities that you can participate in, both leading up to that and the day of God's Work, Our Hands. So mark your calendars, September the 12th, be part of something revolutionary and radical. We're also gathering together a love offering to say thank you for the ministry of Joanne Saxon through our preschool. And uh, many people have expressed that gratitude already. I invite you to join them. Uh, if you make an offering to that, you can make the check to the church and just mark it um, for the preschool offering. If you make it online, you may also designate there as well. So we want to be sure and give Joanne a very uh, good gift of thanks. And also half of that gift will be going to the preschool scholarship fund. So it will also be put to very good use uh, through that fund as well. Now please stand as you are able and hear this assurance of grace. God has always loved you. God loves you now and God will love you forever. That's pretty radical stuff. I don't know anybody else that will love me forever. But God does. And God loves you. And so I trust that you will go from this place knowing that God will continue to bless and keep you, that God's face will shine on you with grace and mercy, and that God will look upon us all with favor and will give us peace. Amen. Go in peace, stay rooted in God's love. Thanks be to God.